Welcome to Title Tea, where we bring you all the tea on tough title transactions. We'll touch on real-life title issues and how to ensure a painless real estate transaction. We're just two Texas escrow officers who want to share our experiences. We learn the hard way, so you don't have to. My name is Libby, and I'm here with Nikki. So Nikki, what you got? Welcome back to another episode. This week, we are going to be talking all about property tax exemptions. So in our last episode, we went over the property taxes in Texas and how they affect property owners. Now we're going to be talking about reducing some of that tax. Giving you insight on different things you can qualify for in order to lower your taxes. Yeah. So we are going to start off with homestead exemption. This is the biggest one that most people know about, most people talk about, and it does give you a really great discount on your taxes. It is meant for people that live in the property that they own here in Texas. It gives them a reduction of taxes on multiple different tax entities, and that deduction is going to depend on the tax entity. They're going to give you different rates in each county and each entity. What it also does is it puts a cap on the value increase. So if I have a property that is valued when I purchase it at $300,000, after that first year, so that first year that I own it, the county is going to assess it at whatever value they deem it as. And remember, we talked about protesting all of that. But every subsequent year after that, there is a cap on that increase. So that property value may not go up more than 10% in one year, in most cases, as long as the exemption was in place for that tax year. So let's talk about how you become eligible for this exemption. So you have to own the property and live in the property. And if I share ownership with another person, then that person also has to apply for the homestead exemption. For example, if I move into a home with my husband and I submit my homestead application and I just put my information, my driver's license and all of that, and then they approve me, then that homestead exemption only applies to 50% of the property because my husband owns the other 50% and did not apply. So make sure that everybody that owns the property, if they qualify for the exemption, they are applying on the application. Then you have to prove your residency. Most counties just accept a driver's license that shows your address as your home as proof of residency. There are a couple things that could disqualify you. If you own the home in an entity and not as an individual, then you cannot apply for homestead. So I have to own it as Nikki West and James West. I can't own it as Nikki West Incorporated or LLC or anything like that. So it can't be a business entity that owns residential property for homestead. If I use a portion of my homestead for business purposes, then the county can potentially reduce the homestead exemption amount based off the percentage of what I claim as business use. So again, they don't want to give you an exemption for anything that's used for business purposes. And then you have to consider the property size itself. So they define resident property as a property up to 20 acres. So if you've got 100 acres, they are not going to allow you to apply the exemption on the full 100. Typically what we see is they will divide the account, the tax account, into two, 
and you'll have your Homestead account, and then you would have whatever the remaining property is. Even if it's like two acres? So let's say you own 22 acres. You have the two acres that doesn't... And anything above 20 acres has to be separated out. And typically what you see is that 20 acres has to be used for residential purposes, right? People that own that much land, typically they're doing other things with the acreage. So what we see a lot of times is they'll have, say, one acre as the homestead and then the rest of the acreage as a separate tax account. And there's there's reasons that they may do that, right? So you could potentially put an ag exemption on that big acreage, and that may give you a bigger tax break than having a homestead exemption on up to 20 acres. I know we're going to talk about this next week, but uh, if you have an ag exemption, can it all be on one property, I wonder? Because if you have, like, let's say if we're talking about the homestead exemption and you, it only goes up to 20 acres, let's say you have 22 acres. Can you have homestead on one and then only the ag on only the two acres or would it be able to apply to both, I wonder? To qualify for ag, it is very specific on what you're doing with the property and size. Typically, they don't overlap. And that ag exemption is also going to be a much higher discount. So it would make sense to reverse that and just put my one acre on my homestead and then have 21 acres ag exempt. I'm getting a better deal that way. Interesting. That's good to know. Yep. And so for the future, we are going to have a whole episode on ag exemption just because it is really complicated and it's going to take us a while to kind of go through all of that. So we're just going to make it its own separate episode that's coming your way soon. You're getting a preview. Yeah. (laughs) So there are a couple additional things with the homestead exemption. So if you move, then that exemption would obviously go away. So if I own property and I move into a different property and I rent that first property out, that homestead exemption is going to then move to my other residence where I'm currently living. There are a few exceptions to this. So if you are moving away temporarily and with the intention of coming back, then you can leave that homestead in place. To do that, you have to be gone less than two years and you cannot establish a principal residence elsewhere. So I can't have two homestead exemptions on properties at the same time. I can only have one. There is an exception to that. So if you are military and you are currently deployed either inside or outside the U.S., then that extends past the two years up to five years. So then in that case, if I'm military and I had to leave my home because of orders, I can leave my exemption in place for up to five years as long as I have the intention of coming back. And then same thing if you have to enter like a health facility or rehab facility, something along those lines, it's also extended past the two years for that as well. Okay. So you know you want the homestead exemption. There is a deadline for when you get that application in. Typically that deadline is April 30th of that tax year. So if I want to apply for homestead in 2024, I need to have my homestead extended application into the county by April 30th. They do have late homestead filings that they'll accept and they'll let you go back to two years. So it's two years from the date of the delinquency of that tax year, which sounds confusing. So for example, 2023 has already passed. If I want to 
apply for homestead for 2023 because I lived in the house. I just forgot to file it or for whatever whatever reason that may be. I have two years from the date the 2023 taxes were due. So 2023 taxes were due January 31st of 2024, which means I have two years from that date to get that application in for a late filing. So a couple tips on filing the exemption. When somebody purchases a house for the first time, they get a lot of junk mail. And we tell them this in the closing room so that they are prepared for it. They get a lot of offers from third-party companies that will file this exemption on behalf of the homeowner for a fee. Sometimes it's $30, sometimes it's $40. Whatever that may be, it is free to file. There's no cost to a homeowner. And nowadays, everything's online. So your homeowner can go online, create an account with the appraisal district, and apply for that homestead directly. They do have to show proof of residency, so typically they'll have to upload a copy of their driver's license. Or if they're old school, they can take that paper homestead application, fill it out, attach the driver's license copy, and mail it into the county. Would a deed work, too, just showing the ownership from the deed? Or would you still, you think, need the driver's license? Yeah, so the county wants proof that you've moved in. Ah, And so that driver's license is going to give them that proof that they're looking for. Gotcha. They did implement a new process recently. So what's funny about the universe, I've noticed, is (laughs) that if somebody asks a really random question, chances are I'm going to get that same question from three different people over the next two weeks. I don't know why it works that way, but that's just how it works. So recently I had somebody reach out about this. And then funnily enough, I had like three more people reach out in the same week. And it's regarding this change that they did to homestead exemption. They modified a law last year that allowed the county to go back and require people that had this existing exemption in place, require them to reapply. The reason that they did this is they wanted to clear up a lot of these old exemptions that have been on properties for 10, 15 years. And a lot of times circumstances have changed in that time. And so they want to make sure that nothing's falling through the cracks. So what they've done is they've implemented that every five years, you have to reapply for your homestead exemption. This doesn't really benefit homeowners in any way. It's really a nuisance, except for the fact that if you have an exemption that is incorrectly applied to an account, the county, if and when they catch on to that, can go back and assess back taxes which is a horrible thing for somebody to find out that they have to pay. So it may be an inconvenience, but you don't have that risk later on of you forgetting about it, the county missing it, and them coming back years later and saying you owe them thousands upon thousands of dollars. Like if you're going to sell and you come to closing and you are very astonished by the amount of taxes, <laughs> what is this? I We've seen it happen, so... Makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty rare, but it does happen. I've seen people that had homestead on two different properties. And then when the county finds out, they're going back and they're reassessing for years worth of taxes. And that's a big bill to get all in one. Oh, yeah, especially if you don't know about it, too. That's the worst. Yeah. So I guess that would make sense that it helps out, hopefully, in the future. Hopefully. (laughs) Big hopefully on the emphasis on the hopefully. Yeah, for most people... This would never be a thing, so it's really just an inconvenience thing that they have to go and refile this. But 
just have your people keep an eye out on the mail. They're going to get a letter from the appraisal district letting them know that they have to do this. If they feel uncomfortable, they can always just go straight to the appraisal district website and into their property account and refile from there. That way they're not, you know, a lot of people, they get stuff in the mail and they're really unsure about it. Is it legitimate? Sometimes it looks legitimate and it's not. So if they're ever in doubt, they can call the appraisal district or go straight through their website and apply for it that way. That was a lot on Homestead. It's a big one. Moving on from Homestead, we're going to go ahead and talk about the senior citizen tax exemption, which is also known as the over 65 exemption. This one also is a pretty big one that we see come across our table a lot. So this is provided to qualifying senior citizens to reduce their property taxes. This is available to Texas residents who are over 65 years of age, and they have to meet a certain eligibility. There are a couple of different requirements. So those are, of course, your first one is you have to be over 65 or 65 or older, excuse me. You must own and occupy the property as your primary residence, and you must have a total household income that doesn't exceed the income limit set by your local taxing authority. These also will vary by county, so keep that in mind. But what it does, it is an increased homestead exemption, essentially, on the school tax. So whenever Nikki was talking about the homestead, the 50-50 rule, this also applies for the over 65. So if one of the residents in the home is over 65, they can apply and receive that exemption on 50% of the property because that would be their ownership. And whenever the other owner becomes 65, they can also apply for that over 65, which would be 100% added to the entire property. So what this does is it will provide a reduction in the appraised value of your property, which in turn will obviously lower your property taxes. They also have a tax freeze that you can apply for. So for this, you have to apply with the county. And what it does is it will take your school tax rate and it'll freeze it at the year that you get approved. Once that year is approved, indefinitely it will be frozen. This only will apply, though, keep in mind, for over 65. So another exemption that we are going to talk about is the disabled person exemption. This is applying to a homeowner that has a disability. So in order to have this exemption property, you will have to, again, apply with the county. And the county will decide the percentage of the exemption that you get based off of what is provided to the county to show proof of said disability. This one will tie into your over 65 exemption. You cannot stack your exemptions. So you can't have both an over 65 exemption and a disabled person's exemptions, one or the other. You can't have both. So let's talk about the disabled veteran and surviving spouse exemptions. There are a couple of requirements in order to qualify for this exemption. It does have to be on your homestead. There are additional exemptions that potentially could apply to veteran property that's not their homestead property, but we're going to focus on the one that is for their homestead property. Uh, they also have to have been awarded a 100% disability rating and awarded 100% service connected disability compensation. This is done by the government when they are in service or when they leave service. There is a deadline. 
It does have to be in by April 30th for the current tax year, but similar to the homestead exemption, they do have a late filing. So the late filing is accepted on this exemption for five years past the delinquency date of the tax year that you're wanting to apply for. So it does give them 100% discounted taxes. So they pay no property tax at all. It also can go to a surviving spouse. So if you have a military member that qualified for this, then potentially their spouse can continue that qualification. There are a couple of requirements in this case as well. So number one, their spouse has to have already qualified or would have qualified when they passed away. They can't have been remarried and the property was the surviving spouse's homestead at the time of the person's passing away. So when their spouse died, they already lived in this property, then they qualify for the surviving spouse exemption. The property does have to remain their homestead as well. So you can't have the exemption and then rent the property out and maintain the exemption. What you can do in some cases is move the exemption, but there's some caveats to that. So if you have the exemption in place and you move to a different house, you can move the exemption at the value of the prior house. Okay, so what that means is if you own a property, it's valued at $300,000 and you're currently exempt from all property tax. If you move that exemption to a property that is valued more, so let's say you purchase a property at $400,000, the exemption comes with you up to $300,000 and that's where it stays. So then you would owe taxes on the remaining amount, which is that 100000 or whatever that gap may be. So it doesn't allow you to increase the value of it by moving, but it can come with you and give you some reduced liability. Can you reapply for it to get that exemption for the full amount? No. So because that spouse has already passed away and the spouse was who qualified for it, then that is, it's final. That is what it is. Wherever you were living at that time, whatever that value was deemed at that time, that's what you're exempt for. And then if you move, it carries with you. Gotcha. But if you move whenever you're still married and the, the veteran is still alive, everything like that, those still. Yes. That still... In that case, it's not the surviving spouse exemption. It's just the 100% disabled exemption. And that does move with you and increases in the value to whatever the property is that you're currently occupying as long as you reapply for it so when you move you have to reapply and then you'll go through all of those steps provide the paperwork again and they'll approve it based off that i see i see that's good information yep so that's what we've got on exemptions this week like i mentioned before we are going to delve into agricultural exemptions we feel like they kind of deserve their own little episode because they're a little bit different than these other exemptions the application process is more in depth and how it transfers from owner to owner can change a lot as well. So stay tuned for that. And as always, we're here to help with any questions that you may have. Feel free to reach out. You can reach us on our website at texastitlet.com or on either of our social medias. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So we will see you guys next time. Bye.